Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Welcome to the Chris Evans Breakfast Show podcast. Week two has been jam-packed. On Monday, Chris was joined by Catherine Pinkham and Amanda Abington. Swinging by on Tuesday was Steve Cram and Chris Ramsey. On Wednesday, Sarah Pascoe, Kate Lawler and brothers Chris and Zan Van Tullican popped in. Thursday was chock full of Dave Gorman, Adam K, Jim White and Harry Redknapp. And Friday, it was me, Ken Branner, plus Ben Elton, Billy Zane and live music from Jade Bird and 10 Tons. Sit back, relax, enjoy the Chris Evans Breakfast Show podcast. Joining us now is uh, Geordie Comedian. It's South Shield's finest comedian. Chris Evans is here with Steve Cram and with Vassar. And Rachel's back with us. Hi, Rachel. Hello. And hopefully you're here too. Uh, but Chris, very funny, very young. Okay, so we'll go with the funny because the young annoys us. But actually, he's he's almost too funny for his age. He shouldn't be allowed. And he tells sort of stories like he's had a proper life experience. And not just like <laughs> not just like, not just like the Beach Boys at the peak of their powers when, when you know, hits were, were just falling out of their fingers. You know, it sounds like you've been you've had that thing going on. Then you got married and you've got proper stuff going on now. And you're still funny about it and you're still only 32 <laughs> and you me. you are younger than most of the records we're playing this morning which is hell for me to be honest hell is the people particularly Chris right now sitting in front of me and uh, and he sells out his tour sold out in 2018 uh, the Just Happy to Get Out of the House tour uh, great title and now because there's a real battle for comedy tour titles isn't yeah. there and who started was that Peter Kay that started oh, that his one very good yeah the sort of top of the tower was decent but then the mum wants a bungalow tour was yeah. just uh, when you can laugh reading the title yep. when they've laughed before they've bought the ticket you know you you know even a little giggle you think that's just really good karma to get a giggle before they've put any money across yeah, you know yeah. John Bishop's uh, last tour is called Winging It because Winging it. he booked the tour and sold out all the 47 arenas not yeah. theatres arenas 7 to 11,000 people and he called it Winging It because he hadn't yet written the tour yeah. written any of the show yeah that's so, more common than you'd think. Okay, so the Just Happy to Get Out of the House tour, how true is that as a sentiment? And how does your wife feel about the fact? Is she, is it, is she more happy? So is the next tour going to be, and she's happy, even happier for me to be out of the house? Yeah, you? well, she came up with the title. Uh, did she? Really? My wife came up with the title because I was sitting and I was agonising over it and she said, why don't you call it that? And I went, why? I said, oh, it because you think I need to get away from me. Is that what it is? She said, no, she said, because when you're in the house and you haven't done stand-up for a while and you haven't had that release, you're a nightmare to be around. She was like, you're really horrible to be around because <laughs> you've had no release. You've had no, like, look at me. Right. So it was called that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's when you've got, the whole thing was about life and when you've got a kid and stuff. And obviously, a young, we're a young family. Mm. You know, he's only three, me son. Yeah. And But mine and my wife's sort of gender roles are switched in the house as, as what, you know, the antiquated Northeast gender stereotypes of the woman does all of the stuff and the man does nothing are flipped on their head. Like, I'm running around shouting, why is this dirty washing on the floor? Why is the dishwasher not stacked properly? And she's like, get a life, chill out. And so, I am re when I haven't got a release of stand-up I care more about those stupid things like I came into the sitting room yesterday and my son was playing with the dirty washing basket he'd pulled all the dirty washing through from the other room and he was just getting dirty underpants out and throwing them around and I just had to leave 
I was nearly sick. I was like, why? And she's like, just let him, it's occupying him. I was like, no, he's playing with skid marked underpants, not mine. But you know what I'm saying? Skiddies. <laughs> no, I think you do know what you're saying. I think the whole world now knows what you're saying, which is fine. Uh, but Geordie, funny to start with. Mar- Marvellous Mirror said this morning, oh, good, Chris is coming in. Well, Geordie's funny anyway. That, you know, And Geordie's do, like Scousers, you have this good rep where comedy's concerned, it can don't be, you? yeah. Come on, can be. It, 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 yeah, mostly, yeah. Mostly. We've got some lovely talent coming out of the Northeast. It's crazy. Obviously, you've got Ross Noble, Sarah Milligan, and stuff. And then when you go down and you look at, like, sort of, the stand comedy club in Newcastle there is some you know I mean, you've got to be careful not to just be too Geordie that's the only problem <laughs> you have to back off the yeah. Geordie dial, dial down the I Geordie I do honestly especially now I am doing I'm sure you're doing the same Steve same, I was yeah. worrying when we were both in here together I thought we were both going to go full on level 10 Geordie what, full and on Ant and Deck yeah no 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 see Ant and Deck when I'm Ant this is me Ant and Deck in my accent this is me making it telly ready <laughs> This is me. I've had a load of time off over Christmas and someone phoned me to tell us I was doing this show and they didn't know what I was saying. They're like, is that a yes? Are you coming down? What are you saying? I'm just going, hide a heed, hoot a hide a Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't know what you mean, I'm, but exactly, I'm fascinated to find out. I have to really, really put the... I did... I went on my stag do uh, years ago and um, I had sort of four days away with 20 of my friends mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing a TV show the day I got back. I was doing Celebrity Juice and I was standing in the corridor and I told a story that I knew was funny. I was like, I know this is funny. And everyone in the corridor at the end of the story it was just... <laughs> just stared at us like that. And I went, what's happened here? And someone let in and went, no one knows what noises just came out of your face. <laughs> and I had to, honestly, I had to go to the change room and look at myself in the mirror and go, right, come on, think Ant and Deck. Think, you know, project. <laughs> Rachel, you have a pretty, uh, a beautiful accent, but a pretty pr- pronounced accent. Do you dial it down for the radio as well? Uh, not that I'm aware of, although people will say they know if I've either had time with my family yeah. over the weekend yes. or especially like if I phone my mum before school pick up and then I walk into the playground and I start talking to people and they start going, it's when the head cocks to one side. <laughs> yeah, like a dog. Yeah. It's like you're saying to a dog, who's a good boy? Yeah. <laughs> Like but so you don't, do it, you don't do it consciously you do it a bit more consciously would that I be fair I have to okay. I really have to right. yeah like I, every single word yeah it, it's because us is us 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 would be me or we like all the little bits that go in between and if I'm with someone I mean you're lovely you you will just glaze over slightly quite politely but some people will just go what was that noise like it's craziness it's, I, it's a I, really strange accent I had a friend showing me just, just on the accent thing yeah. uh, the other day uh, his youngster had, had written something I was talking about social media, but it's spelt it M W E J A. Media. Social media. Is that Alex Jones, my friend from the one show? She's, I love that. Video. Video. Come watch a video. Come on, I watch a video. We have film. 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 Film for us. So it's films. Films, Geordie um, and, and, and also Irish. Northern Irish. Mm. Well, who, well who, who, who swam that water? I, I think we probably started. Yeah. You think talking so? about my football I'm not club? Arguing with that. Fulham. Fulham. <laughs> <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place on Virgin Radio. Jim White is here with us now. Now Jim has a very pressing day today because it's <laughs> deadline transfer deadline day. So we have to do Jim's interview because he's in charge of all transfers in football. Absolutely. Today, uh, so D- Dapper Dave is going to step up to the mic now with uh, Jim's intro. Now joining us, a titan of sports broadcasting. He's on TalkSport every weekday morning from 10am. We're thrilled he's popped by on Transfer Deadline Day. It's the wonderful, the legendary, Jim White. Yay! Thank what you. an intro! I, I, I cannot live up to that. All you need so is the intro, Jim. Right, Vassos, over to you. That was oh, fantastic. Jim, so Transfer Deadline Day, for people who don't know, is a last chance for clubs to bolster their squads to sign new players for the run until the end of the season in May. Jim, you are... 
Mr. Transfer Deadline. When did you. you become Mr. Transfer Deadline Day? I don't know. I think this happened by mistake. I, uh, <laughs> I kind of fell into it. I must have done about 20 of them now. Uh, and I always say expect the unexpected and that gets everybody on tenterhooks. But uh, <laughs> that, that's what it's all about. It's going into it. Every one of them is different. Today will be different. Uh, it's a day like no other. Somebody said to me on the way into the building here, Chris, just a second ago, oh, the best, Jim. It's Jim White Day. <laughs> Sorry, I sounded <laughs> yeah. like Danny Dyer there. Um, but no, uh, no, it's wonderful. I, I love it. I embrace it. And today will be superb. I'll fall into my bed about three in the morning. Do you, I mean, we saw you taking calls out there. We assumed yep. it because you know, you know stuff before <laughs> even the, you know, even the managers who are signing players know stuff. Definitely before the players yeah. who are being signed. Well, I have to say, I was I was in a coffee shop uh, over at Talksport this morning. A guy came up to me and said, "Jim, Jim, good luck today. Cannot wait for it. Are we making any big signings?" And I said, "Who's we?" He said, "Reading." I said, "No, I doubt it." <laughs> so, uh, sorry about that. But you you never can tell. All the talk late last night, and I mean the system is true. I was talking to a top agent late last night about half past midnight and all the talk was PSG, Neymar no longer available to them. He has a, a broken metatarsal which is never easy to say Chris I've, I've uh, metatarsal um, he's out of it and will they go for Willian of Chelsea? So that could be that could be a mover and a shaker later today. We don't know. We'll see. Oh, the, this, this is what you also you get on transfer deadline day. It's somebody's hairdresser saw somebody's wife in Correct. the Correct. So, yeah. Willian's daughter yes. is at school with my son. Well, yeah. So, you don't have his number, do you? Get him on. He'll know. I mean, I'll have him on the telly yeah. by midday. Exactly. We will get information Live from today. the playground. Someone will tell me today or text me that Gareth Bale is at Earl's Court Station. I mean, this is what happens. It's rumour and counter-rumour. But we're right Will into hairdresser, because somebody needs a word with whoever that is. <laughs> How do you know what to believe and what not to believe? Well, you go with it. I mean, you double-check it. Agents are interesting because they're representing their clients on what's a very important day for them and a potentially lucrative day for them as well. So you 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 got to double-check it. You don't buy into all the hype uh, uh, and all the chat, but it becomes evident later on in the day, yes, yeah, something is going down. There'll be plenty today. There will be a player listening to us now, Chris, who doesn't know it yet, but he'll be on his way to another club in the middle of the day and may have to reroute to another trip. Training ground. That's what it's all about. The unexpected. It's so will exciting, isn't it? And you are on all day. So, so whose idea was it to start doing this big show? This, this, like, it's like, it's like an, it's like. Seven election specials in one, isn't it? I mean, Jim on Sky you know Sports that News. Is, that is such a great question. Um, the fellow at Sky Sports News, Andy Cairns, and myself, and another chap, Alan Myers. Many years ago, we we sat round and we thought, you know, today there's a lot happening. Today there's a lot going on. Today I think we can build this. And when we came off air that night, we thought we've got something here. Cannot wait to the next deadline day. And and hence it began. And it, and and it's now developed into something quite ridiculous. I mean, it, it really is. Somebody said to me that they should declare it a public holiday yeah. in my name. And I'm like, oh, I'm I, into I that. agree. I, I, I second that amendment. I'm into that. Chris, may I just say, mate, it's great to see you. I always remember, guys, meeting Chris Evans many years ago uh, when I was at Scottish Television. You were at the Edinburgh Festival, so was I, in the George Hotel in George Street. And I walked up to you and said, how are you doing? And you were a delight then. You're now a global superstar well, I've now. I've got to tell you, I remember that day because we had breakfast, lunch and dinner at the same table and we didn't move. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and and the, Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Television Festival came by us 
And we just watched it, but we didn't have to go anywhere because it just came by us throughout the day. Uh, that, that, you are precisely spot on, and look at what you've become now. I mean, this is incredible. Yes, this is like the, the, the business lounge at the Emirates, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> it's just wonderful. <laughs> I, I fly economy. I'm from Glasgow. But this is sensational. No, you've got something going here. Who was I on to there? Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp on the phone, and he listens in. Does he? Yeah. <laughs> We should get him on. Have you got his number? Of course I Right, have. okay, let's get Harry on the phone. Let's get Harry on the phone. Talk about, talk about his tour, his village hall tour that he's doing Absolutely at the moment. Absolutely love Harry. Oh, I love it. I love him too. Harry the bag. Oh, he's what? I won't be saying that Harry. when he comes on, but anyway. He is fantastic. He's going to answer his phone now, I've said that. Uh, we got his son on. Jamie's on next week, isn't he? Talking about League of Their Own. I think so. I think he's going to be on next week. So, so what's been. In a, in, I know you've got to go, but. In no a problem. Mi- in a minute. Well, what has been the, the most. Um, the biggest letdown as transfer deadline day and the best transfer deadline day to date? And how do you think today's going to shape up compared to that oh wow that now now you're talking i remember i, I remember being on the night that berbatov dimitar berbatov went to to manchester united and the cameraman did so well chris because on a night like that uh, on sky they're relying on getting the shots you know the the shadowy figures of guys arriving at training grounds is it isn't it uh fernando torres in the back of a people carrier arriving at stamford bridge is he really joining for 50 million from liverpool and i always remember that but berbatov that night was significant because he went to united on the same night that Rubinho, the Brazilian, who was set, we thought, to go to Chelsea, ended up at Manchester City. And that that was a fantastic night. I can't remember of any, like, damp squibs. I've never come off air, to be quite honest, and thought, damn it, it didn't happen. And what was the... Okay, I'll put it another way. What was the biggest rumour that didn't happen that you thought probably might? Everything... I, I can never remember... As I say, I can never remember one, like, going under the radar and you're like, well, did it... We always, to be honest, I'm so consumed by the hype yeah, yeah. that even I don't want to disappoint me. <laughs> I love that. That's basically what even it comes I down don't want to. to disappoint me. So that's, I that's, mean, there you go. That's your tour. If you do a talking tour like these, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. your tour. I want it more than anybody. Cool. And what about today? It's going to be good. There are a lot of loan deals going to happen. There's a lot of business going to happen. I think Arsenal will do a bit of business. Unite Emery saying it's loan deals, but will it just be loan deals? We'll see. Will Manchester United buy somebody for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And what will that tell us? Longer term, what will that tell us? What's the message in yeah. that? So, so if he um, buys somebody big, he's probably got the job for a while. I think that that's the way thing. you've got to start thinking. Right. Yeah, that's the way we'll start Jim, thinking. you can come on this show anytime you're yep. damn well. Because like, you're moving here, aren't you? Talk sports moving here. We are indeed. I think we're in a tiny little bunker at the far end. <laughs> no, you're not. I've seen the studios. They're gorgeous. Are they? They're, they're, they're three floors up and they've got the same views here. Wonderful. I look forward to All it. Right, it is pal. sensational. You've got a great thing going here. No, well done. Congratulations. We Thank you for coming in. All right, Jim. Round of applause. Jim, he's awesome, isn't he? Yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. All right, after selling out her 42-date tour last year, one of the country's funniest women is celebrating her final show back on home turf at the London Palladium on Sunday 10th of March. Here to tell us what we can expect and how to nab our tickets, it's the super Sarah Pascoe. Sarah Pascoe, yay! It's the first round of applause should be funny as people, shouldn't it? (laughs) should be funny as people, not not funny as women. I want everyone to know I'm a woman. I think Just that's in case. implied. Sarah is extraordinarily funny. I watched loads of your stuff last night because I had to get, I had to be able to speak fluent uh, Pasco. You had by to the find time. out who I was. No, no, so more or less. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I've yes. not watched much of anything over the last uh, few years for various different reasons. Especially now we have one million children and we have twins uh, and we have uh, five kids. We've got a grandson. Uh, you are, of course, you are without child and you do talk about that a lot, don't you? On your being barren. You no, know, you do. You, do. Yes. you you get in there straight away. You go yeah. oh, by the by the age of thirty seven now. Are you? Yes, yeah, Th- thirty seven. 
happened. I thought I would be married with children this week. Yes, so. yeah, not married, but I thought I'd have loads of babies. Mm. But now I want dogs. I think instead. Mm. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, I really do fancy you, a dog. <laughs> do you think we, we got a dog last Saturday? Did you? Could help you out there from Battersea Dogs Home. Oh, lovely. Yeah, that's uh, the way to do it. That is the way to do it. Well, yeah. it's one way to do it, and it works for us. Uh, so, do you think now because you are extraordinarily successful and you're so funny, it's criminal, literally criminal. I was like, I've got to go to sleep. Got to sleep. No, I watched another one. Watched another one. And um, last night. And uh, do you think being a successful stand-up increases or decreases your chances of becoming a mother in the next, say, five years? Oh, increases. Right. Because I get the pick of the whole crowd. <laughs> like, who do I want? Excuse me, madam. I'm taking this one. Does that happen? No. Because <laughs> no, you, can't, you can't see anyone anyway, anyway, can you? No, and also, spotlight. after the stuff I've told them, they are not interested. I was going to say, because you are yeah. so open, aren't you? Yeah, with... I'm very open. And also, no one wants to be talked about. That's the thing is I talked a lot about my last relationship and now there's a something where quite early on people will say, you can't talk about this. It's like, well, then what's the point? <laughs> it's funny because Sam, Sam Smith, you know, his last album was about a, a, a recent breakup and you're thinking, right, okay. How, first of all, how do, you, how do you morally, how do you... Because you, your, your ex-partner was also in the business. Yes, yeah. Okay. So, so does he, is his new tour about you? Um, so he, I think he's... Just finished a tour. He did. He won the main award in Edinburgh with a show that was about our relationship. Right. So, so yes. quid pro quo. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That one was quite fair. But if I now go out with a builder, <laughs> he can't kind of. No. Yeah. He's nothing he can do. He could tweet about me, I guess. And is that a real issue? I don't think it's a real issue. I'd, I'd always be very sensitive. He could talk about you on the building site, which would probably be enjoyable for him. <laughs> yeah. Stupid cow. Yeah, Stupid that kind of cow. Or... Doesn't get up in the morning. <laughs> But you, he doesn't know how to build anything. <laughs> but your, so your tour is... La- I thought your last tour was Laz Laz Laz. I didn't realise st- this is still ongoing. This is the end, so I'm filming it at the right. Palladium. Oh, so it's the go. end here of the Here we tour. go, everybody. Here we go. The Palladium, by the way. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Okay. When did you get so big? So big? Yeah. What, Palladium big? Yeah, because yeah, that's huge. Yeah, in the last year, I've been really lucky. Right. I do lots of like panel shows on TV yeah. and I've been touring and doing stand-up for about 12 years now. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it feels like a big celebration. Right, so it's 12 years, again, with my fundamental masters, but about 25 then when you started. Where was the first place you started? When was it? Why did you do it? How did you feel when you're walking out with just a microphone? And what was your opening setup and your first punchline? Okay. In that order, it was Balam. Um, like lots of people, actually, and I really think stand-up uh, is something everyone who wants to do it should just do it because it's really terrifying. Everyone's terrible when they start and some people are still terrible 12 years later. <laughs> um, uh, there'll be someone at home going, she's still bad. Um, but um, yeah, you just go up with a pad and they say your name and you think, oh, I don't know, and then you kind of cope with it. And my first setup, I was doing about high school, the musical, and about how it was nothing like my secondary school. So I did a, a story... How rude can you be in this show? Um, not not very, that rude. To be okay, well, you can be, but I just <laughs> prefer if you weren't. About, it's just an incident that happened on an inset day at my school with a girl and a boy who were found behind the cricket pavilion. It was picking up litter, uh, playing cricket. They were definitely picking up litter. Yeah, littering, littering, littering. We're getting there now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that was what it was. And there were twelve people who smiled at me. And I thought, I thought people are nice. Oh, that's and afterwards, good. you get this thing. And I guess it's why people do extreme sports. You get a neurochemical reward. You get blasted with things that make you feel like you're invincible. Yeah, and I true. went home on the train. I felt like a one-man band. I felt like I was in tune with the people who used to go town to town in Shakespeare's time and set up their stall. And because it's all from you, <laughs> there's not, they haven't even got an instrument. You just turn up and it's just yourself. And, yeah, I just fell massively in love with it. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. 
I heard this thing the other day. You know, we ha- what you should do every day, you have to every day, you have to make sure you bend from side to side and forwards and backwards because we were meant to do that. And it also, if you raise your arms above your head, it immediately increases your heartbeat. Even if you just hold your arms up. Because just holding your own hands up if you don't do it often, that's hard enough as it is. Uh, all this fitness advice is making me think you should release a DVD. Keep it fit with Christoph. <laughs> what do you think? This is Bazit and Stay Banstead. Well, I didn't mean to laugh there. Sorry. Yes, you should release a Keep Fit with Chris DVD. Well, you didn't mean to laugh, <laughs> but you did laugh, which is even worse because that means you couldn't stop yourself from laughing. <laughs> and if you meant to laugh, that you'd have been doing it on purpose. That would just have been mean. But this is even meaner because you actually think that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, he's gone. She's his first one on Virgin. Uh, no, no, no. It's a good <laughs> idea. Who said that in Virgin? Why, why, well, hang on a minute. Is it not more interesting for people? Yes, no, it is. It's a good idea. What was I going to say? <laughs> Shut up. Again, stop, don't speak anymore. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, in this league. <laughs> What if I'd already done a fitness DVD deal? Yes, yeah. and um, and the people who, who'd, oh, yeah, who'd no. booked me to do it heard you killing yourself <laughs> laughing. What if that's already happened? Uh, well, the thing is, like you often say, uh-huh. you know, it's the law of fifty-fifty. What do you mean? Well, fifty <laughs> percent of people love it. Yeah, fifty percent of people don't love it. You've got a hit on your hands. What are you talking I, about? And I love it because I laughed. Laugh is a positive emotion. <laughs> Laughing is very, very, very good for you. Our next two guests are both self-proclaimed Shakespeare aficionados. Together, they've written, directed, produced, and acted in All Is True, a brand new film about the brilliant bard. Here to tell us all about it is Ben Alton and Sir Kenneth Branagh. Good morning, gentlemen. It's Ken and Ben. Good morning. Could be yours, could be Bill and Ben, but we'll take Ken and Ben. How are you both? Very, I'm, I'm very well. Uh, absolutely also. thrilled to be here at the new show, Chris. Congratulations. Well done. And, uh, Pleasure, pleasure to be with you. Thank well, you. Well, you for did say us. you'd come and see us, and you both have. So, thank yes. you very much for that. Very welcome. All right. So, the um, it says at the beginning of the film, it says TKBC. I presume that's the Kenneth Branagh Company. That's is correct. It? That right. is correct. So you've made this <laughs> in, in film. a startlingly original uh, title. It's beautiful. It looks nice. <laughs> thank you it very much. Nice. Thank you. Okay, so so you so you produced, directed, you star in the film, Ken, as you know. I'm just telling people who listen to the radio. But then you you employed this man here, Ben Elton, to write the blooming script. How do you get Ben Elton to write a Shakespeare script for you? How does that work? Well, it starts about 31 years ago. Uh, you meet in London's glittering West End. Uh, ben had just come to see a production of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, directed by showbiz's Judy Dench. And I was in it, and afterwards, it was the first time I'd met Ben. Uh, if you recall, I don't know if you recall this, Ben, but you said to me, you made some of that up, didn't you? I said, of course I didn't make any of it up. He said, well, it sounded very, very naturalistic. I said, well, that's Shakespeare. You should go back to the, go back to the play. And he did. And he said, oh, yeah, that, yes, you're absolutely right. It's true. I, I've, you know, I've always had a, a certain affection for the bard, but it, like most people, when you're at school and you get taught it and you, you think this is kind of double Dutch and it, it, it's quite 
quite hard to get, to get into it, to, to understand the language. And the first time I really genuinely felt I, I kind of got Shakespeare was on that, that night, that production, but I felt I got it so much that I did. I really thought, it's, it's almost like a sitcom. This is, you know, Beatrix and, Beatrice and Benedict and they're, they're, they're ch- exchanging quips and barbs and having a little go at each other. And I, I did feel that they'd taken, I suspected that they'd taken liberties because it felt such natural modern English. And then afterwards it turned out not one syllable had been changed. And of course, Dame Judy... <laughs> I don't think she was a dame then, but she would not have... She was always she a dame. Not, <laughs> she's born a dame. <laughs> yes, she would not have put up with the changing of syllables. Uh, and uh, Ken and I began talking about Shakespeare then and sort of done on, on and off, uh, amongst other things. We don't sit around, whenever we meet, well, let's talk the bard. But we've always... We've always talked to, uh, you know, that, that moment was a bonding moment, not just because we became friends that day, but also... You know, the first thing we ever discussed was my astonishment at how how easy he made Shakespeare, and Ken always does, and he's introduced millions of people to it, and I'm one of those yeah. people. Well, cut, cut to th- 30 years later, and uh, uh, Mr Elton was, in fact, introducing millions of people to Shakespeare through his brilliant uh, situation comedy, Upstart Crow, and so when this this long sort of brewing idea of, 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 of a film about uh, some sort of, you know, uh, uh, unfamiliar part of Shakespeare's life um, came up, then, of course, I knew who had had all who'd done all the swatting, who'd done all the research, who knew far more than I did about it. So when we began that conversation again, which is, well, I know we like the play, is, well, what about the fella himself? Ben was the natural person to go to. And here we sit at the top of the news tower, um, and we're just equidistant between Tower Bridge and London Bridge. And, um, and of course, we're, we're on the periphery of the borough, so we're merely a match strike away from, from the Globe Theatre itself. And that's how your film begins. It's, quite, it's a brilliantly dramatic beginning. It really sort of reels you in from the off. Just it's, want to describe that. Well, well, it's a, it, well, the cinematography is is, is spectacular, and, and it is it is a, a marvelous opening. But the the Globe gave us a great start. Ken, <clears throat> excuse me. Ken wanted me to think about Shakespeare in retirement, uh, a man approaching the end of his life, considering his legacy, looking looking at his place in the world, what he's achieved, what he's failed to achieve, and what mark he's made on his family. Because, of course, as most people, I think, know he was sort of not estranged, but he he worked in London and they lived in Stratford and he returned to them. And there were no trains. And, and there were no trains. <laughs> and one wonders, why did he return at this point? And nobody knows why Shakespeare effectively stopped writing for the last three years of his life after a magnificent, you know, he'd been on a roll and I, I just I suggested to Ken that perhaps we might start at the, when the night the, the globe burnt down this theatre that meant so much to, to him and to all London a theatre which they'd actually carried across the Thames I don't know if you're aware but the, the globe theatre was moved uh, every nail and, mm-hmm. and every bit of wood because the, where it was uh, on the north in, uh, in north London as was then um the, the landlord wanted to end the lease and keep the theatre. So Shakespeare and Burbage and, and the whole company <laughs> one night dismantled it and literally carried across, reassembled it. I don't know if it happened in a night, legend is, but that really happened. Anyway, then one day it burnt down. Uh, and it really to the ground, and it must have been a cathartic moment. And I, and it happened to be the moment when he he went and retired. So I'm also, presuming it was also that very uh, with with the, the drama tying itself uh, every which way. It burnt down on the first performance of Shakespeare, one of Shakespeare's, some would argue, last play, The Life of King Henry VIII. The subtitle of which is, or the alternative title is, All Is True. So it was on that it was on that very evening when, or afternoons, it would have been where it, it burned down. And, and I think a lot of scholars agree that it was and would have been 
been a traumatizing event. He'd had 20 years of conspicuous success. He was the the most prominent writer of the age, also producer and uh, and director. Uh, but he goes back to his hometown, which he he need not have done. All sorts of resources were available to have some other kind of life. But he goes back to his hometown. Seemed important to him. And like many people, he goes back to a hometown to face all sorts of issues that he has perhaps in his own life that we try to infer from some of the facts we know. So he bought, for instance, he bought a shield, 20-pound shield, probably about 4,000 quid today, uh, that uh, with a, a motto coat on it. Coat of arms. Coat of arms, it? which yeah. allowed him to be called gentleman. And it seemed uh, it seemed interesting that this was uh, important to him. But, of course, his own father had had a terrible financial collapse. His father had been mayor of Stratford. And then he was uh, uh, arrested and accused of usury, lending of money, um, uh, putting his uh, putting his cow manure too close to the house, all sorts <laughs> of funny things that happened in Stratford in in 1613. You mustn't do it in a town of two and, in, a, in a town of two and a half thousand people. Everybody knew everything, including where your manure was. Um, and so, uh, for him, the, this issue of um, of status, remarkably for a fellow so uh, conspicuously successful, was an interesting one. It was a kind of Achilles' heel, as was the relationship between him and his estranged family, people who had absent father, absent husband. And one of the things Ben does brilliantly in it is to is to allow that part of the family drama to feel so modern. Ben Alton here, Sir Kenneth Brenner, talking about their new film, their new film about the last three years of Shakespeare's life, All Is True. Brilliant, brilliant film. Kenny's in it, he's produced it, he's directed it, and Ben has written it, and it's so funny. And uh, what you were saying there, Ken, about uh, about the fact that, you know, who knows what happened there, and then he has to go into his family's this, because we all have this, we have the superstar us, and, and you know, and everybody, oh, yeah, great, you did it, and then you go home, and it's like, well, you know, sit down, do the dishes, shut up, don't care about you here, like everybody thinks you, they care about you. <laughs> Particularly so, if you've got kids, I mean, and if you're a comedian, I mean, it's a... It's a it's a grim wake up call because of course no father is funny to their children and you know like dirt you know and certainly I, I I and many comedians share the experience of of suddenly realizes that we're no better than any other dad when it comes to trying to be funny in your family and dad worse. jokes it, it, and, yeah. and 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 often worse and Shakespeare of course had two daughters although they were they were adults by the time he he returned um, after this 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 twenty years I mean Shakespeare remained a family man he supported his family throughout uh, he always invested in. Stratford. He was a, a very committed businessman and a conservative in his in, in, in all his actions. He he, uh, he he property was his great interest, and and where he bought property was at home. And he moved his family from one house to a better house, and eventually returned to it to live in it. But that must have been something for Anne and uh, Susanna and Judith. Although Susanna was married by that time, she only lived up the road because you know he'd been gone all those years, and probably two or three times a year at most they'd seen each other. And suddenly he's back, and he wants to get. His, his feet back under the table again and expecting everybody to, I guess, to accommodate him. And, of course, they had lives and emotions yeah. and and many conflicts going mind, on. Mind you, of course, he, he, he did resort to the usual um, uh, response of the male in that situation. So, well, you know, uh, you, you don't go and pick the money off the money tree, do you? I have been away mm. uh, producing the money that, yeah. that gets what, what seems... what I've to, done for you! Exactly, yeah. seems to me to, to, to him and to other people, he's in the second best house in Stratford. Again, that somehow means something to him. It was... Um, and he's uh, bought his status as a gentleman. I yeah. mean, his father's... Uh, his father's collapse. Imagine, I mean, he would have been a young teenager when his father, who'd, who'd risen to mayor, suddenly was arraigned for usury. I mean, suddenly he was he was in deep financial trouble, lost everything. I mean, he was he was dodgy. I mean, he was fine. <laughs> Shakespeare's father, I mean, it's one of the reasons we have, you know, in a very different type of 
production. We have Harry Enfield playing him in, in Upstart Crow because Shakespeare's father was uh, fined for non-attendance of church and the reason he couldn't go to church was because he owed money to everyone in the it's congregation. Too many people, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, Which is in the movie. What, what it reminded me of, bits of it reminded me of The Sopranos. Well, that's, that's my theory. Wow. Well, there, there is something about the, the, the small town life that when, when his father was, was mayor, he was one of a number of people who took their turn to run the town for a bit. Uh, and it was a town that was expanding. There were all sorts of sort of property issues. A bit like, you remind me, as you say that, of, uh, of uh, Chinatown, actually. There, was, there were in land enclosures around Stratford. And this was subject to all sorts of uh, suspicion and, and, uh, and dodgy dealing. And, and, and Shakespeare's father was uh, involved with that. There were also, there was a bit of a scam to do with the expansion of the roads, as Ben says, but Shakespeare went back at least once a year, but it was a rough journey every time. And so literally the road infrastructure was something that businessmen in Stratford cared about because, of course, it opened up the town if something was done about that. But sometimes they didn't get the right workmen in and the roads weren't as well made as they might be. There were all sorts of quite mm. usual things going on there that we might be familiar with that were part of the sort of um, sort of infighting in Stratford. Sopranos is, a, is, a, is a, I think, very sort of uh, evocative way of understanding uh, that there was a, uh, there was a business community there that was very roughty-tufty. And so for, for Shakespeare to come back and find his place in it and find a, find, a, find a place to be if you've been Mr. Artist, you come back and you're the most famous person there, um, which is impressive to some people, but... but, um, but not but, at but, all to others. But not at all to That's others. That's the thing, it's, isn't it? It's funny That's... that you should... I mean, you're... It's lovely that you're saying that you, you had fun. There is a lot of fun in it. But it, it's very definitely a drama, and it, it's a family drama. Um, it, the, the core of the piece, as you more. know... I wanted more. Like, I wanted to be on again next week. <laughs> well, that's, that's really... I mean, obviously, cool? You've given us a good idea. <laughs> yes, we'll do the scene. No, you should do a Sky <laughs> 10 hours of Shakespeare, because you know, that's what well, it lends itself you know, to. Ken's, one of Ken's reference points when he first talked, cause it, was Ken, it was Ken's idea, it was Ken's brief. He said, write me a story about... This man in retirement. Give me some. Give, and by the way, you, you do it what you like because nobody knows anything exactly. that happened. Well, no, we do know quite a lot, and oh, that I is see. why it's called All Is True. When Shakespeare wrote his histories, he took a, a number of known facts and then wove a drama around those facts, which is exactly what what we've done. Everything you can guess the true bits, the scandals that affected the, you know, frankly, the sex scandals that affected both his daughters during those last three years are dealt with in in the movie because one wonders how would that have affected a family in a small town such as that. There's a great deal that we know about Shakespeare. Far more than any other Renaissance writer. It's a nonsense, this idea that we know so little. In fact, I mean, we, we scarcely know anything about Ben Jonson, but we know a great deal about, about Shakespeare. Uh, and those facts are what we've woven a story around, and you'll the facts are pretty clear. You can guess what are the true bits and, and what aren't. I, I could it's, it's, I'm too thick, but... Well, it's, it's, <laughs> but it is a bleak tale. As well. I mean, Ken's first point of reference to me was he said, well, you should have a look at, at Mike Lee's Secrets and Lies, which is a, a very modern take on a, on a family, a deeply dysfunctional family. And I was very interested to, to see that, to, to remind myself of it. Of course, I knew the film. But yeah, family drama. Shakespeare's family dramas must have been considerable when you imagine all the elements, not least the fact that they lost they lost their child, half of, of twins, which is another... Hamnet, of course, Hamnet. as well. What yeah, a lovely yes. name, Hamnet. Yeah. So I thought, if we ever have another, we have a million children anyway, so we, <laughs> we don't need to do that. But Hamnet right, would be right up there. A couple of quick questions for you. Great nose... Great nose. <laughs> Thank you very Wonderful much. Wonderful prosthetics. Thank you for, I had to get up very early in the morning to produce that okay, nose. Okay, <laughs> fantastic nose. Ken, because Ken plays William Shakespeare in this film. And uh, I, in profile, I was thinking, is the angle of the, the beard the same as the angle of the, of the nose? And I bet, I think that your prosthetic guys were onto that. <laughs> we you know? got the tapes out. We got the tapes out. We got the little they, theodolite. They're beautiful. You know? Oh, well, thank you very they're much. They're like cedar tiles on a roof. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you very perfect. much. Vanessa White, makeup designer, Neil Gorton, uh, prosthetics bravo, expert. Bravo, 
Bravo. A great Didn't go job. unnoticed, uh, mm. ladies and gentlemen. And of course, not only are you two, you two here, you know, on the on the Shakespeare uh, truck, but then you then you should just bring just if, if should backup be required, Rachel and Vassos. <laughs> um, in fact, their Rachel and Vassos was uh, Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. <laughs> so, <laughs> so blimey, O'Reilly. You can imagine as a <laughs> they writer, they came out in force for you. What didn't it they? felt like for me as a writer for Ken to say, well, like, this is the cast. I mean, I had no idea what he was playing. I delivered the script and then Ken went off and made it. If and you recall, said, in fact, your reaction when I said, you know who's playing Anne Hathaway? Uh, you said, no, I said, Judy Dench, you, you replied, get out of here. Yeah. Get, in fact, there was an expletive between... <laughs> yeah, I thought there might have been. Blooming get out of shut here. Shut the front yeah. door. Yeah, shut the front door. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, for a writer to have not just uh, Ken Branagh, but, but Dame Judy Dench and Serena McKellen all delivering your yeah. dialogue And is then you dastardly, you pesky writer man, you dared to put in it a Shakespeare off between Ken's Shakespeare <laughs> and Ian McKellen's Lord, uh, Lord Earl of Southampton. <laughs> Earl of Southampton. It's very... And they have a Shakespeare off. It's still like one of the best things. <laughs> Do you remember in... Um... Do you remember when they finally, some some clever producers somewhere finally got De Niro and Pacino oh. in heat? In heat. Yeah, and they yeah. have the scene where in, they in come the together in the, in the cafe. In the cafe yeah. It was like that. Oh, it's a, oh, it's well. extraordinary to watch. And of course, it's also a love scene because, you know, it's generally presumed that the sonnets, that there are 126 sonnets uh, speaking about a beautiful boy. And people have often imagined that the fervour of the language perhaps suggests that there was, a, there was a secret passion there. No one will ever know, but perhaps Shakespeare was bisexual. Oh. Uh, so, Get it in there anyway there's, stick well, it in the mix it's, it's very it's very subtly done but there's no question there was love there whether it was a, a passionate what, what type of love but there's no question the love in the sonnets had to come from a, a, a deep sense of reality and we've imagined a meeting between these now two elderly men remembering a, a, a passionate relationship which even if it was only in words was 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 yeah. something deeply profound, and we we explore that in that scene. And it's never wonderful. before as a human being look more like a Cavalier King Charles than Ian McKellen does in this. That wig again, uh, yeah. come yeah. on, top, yeah. top job from the makeup. Uh, they, he did a, they did, awesome. a, did a wonderful job. Uh, but, uh, so it was no, it was a real, it was such a pleasure. To he only lives around the corner, doesn't he? Ian? I know, I know, he's very handy. Should we get him a cab? Should we get him over here? <laughs> he's got a lovely pub, hasn't he? It's very nice. Have you been there? But I have not. I've only heard about it. And, Oldest and pub in fantastic London. Fantastic quiz nights, apparently. Yeah. That he hosts? Yes, I believe so. I think <laughs> it's not he's terrible, is he? <laughs> doing the quiz. I think it might be. It's his yeah. pub. They're all questions here. about Lord of the Rings, though. Yeah. That's the thing. <laughs> Shut the front door. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Pulling up to the studio is a world-renowned actor. You've seen him in Titanic, Back to the Future 2, and Twin Peaks. Please welcome real-life car fanatic, the brilliant Billy Zane. Good morning, Billy. Yeah, good morning. Man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're making. Have you made? Is this project done? About you no, we're still we're shooting in the, the summer. Tell everybody about CG. it. What, what is it's, it? It's 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 uh, it's based on the memoirs of of Bernie Judge, who was a young architect that Brando plucked out of obscurity to build Marlon a, Brando. Marlon Brando, forgive me. It's in the years between, uh, I guess, The Godfather and Last Tango in Paris, um, to build an ecological, sustainable closed loop compound, which was unheard of for the time when you think about it, but certainly very prescient today, considering those atolls are the, probably the first wave of what's to. <laughs> pardon the pun, go uh, in as a result of global warming. Um, so the, uh, the the story is about this very unique friendship um, that shines a light upon um, the, the complexities and the, the genius of the man. What I always loved about him is, is his social activism, that the fact that he really walked the walk and put his ass on the line for uh, civil rights, for indigenous rights. Um, and in this case, environmental. Um, so he's always quite ahead of it. And the... Uh, the fact that 
it's it's fundamentally a comedy, which is you know kind of unique in terms of doing a biopic about Brando. It's a it's a comedic. Can't two-hander. wait for it, can you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking at Billy Zane, very handsome lad that he is. I could oh, be a you. brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Brando. Yeah, well, he is, I'm he looking is. at you, a brilliant Shakespeare. I mean, <laughs> and it's weird is because this was you know like you, he existed like this 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 you know my ghost, my 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 hero, my idols. We we're sharing a very interesting uh, parallel any, dynamic what's here. Where your we get favorite Brando performance then? Uh, yeah, I I have to say I do like the period where he moved into he really went internal around the time of Tango, but you know so far far back as the Men or the Young Lions I think is my favorite when he played the German officer. It's yeah. all very good, this isn't it? Uh, lovely to have you all here this morning. Billy Zane has been here. Thank you, Billy, for coming thank in. Thank you, man. You're welcome back any time. So Kenneth Branagh and Ben Elton. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having us. Always welcome, as always. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. The best entertainment all in one place. On Virgin Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.